When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Aaron Hogan, Rod Babers, Hook Em Up, 1019 AM 1260, The Horn. I woke up to the morning sky first. Baby blue, just like we rehearsed. Oh, yes, sir, and yes, ma'am, you had better. Let's get them up, get them going. It is Thursday on Hook 'em Up with Ian Rod Beats. Also, the first day of February, the second month of 2024 is here. And we will preview a lot coming up in the uh, 29-day month of February this year. It's a leap year, of course. Election year, leap year, all kinds of fun stuff in 2024. It's a busy one, and uh, we'll certainly dive into the sports conversations of the morning and of the month, including the Super Bowl, which is now 10 days away. Pro Bowls this weekend, if you're interested. Grammy Awards also this weekend. If you're a music fan, that could be fun. Uh, but yeah, it's a good good month. There's a lot to look forward to and a lot to talk about, including uh, the seventh of the eight coaching vacancies in the NFL filled yesterday. The Seattle Seahawks will go from the oldest coach in the NFL to the youngest after yesterday's decision. Dallas Cowboys still wondering about their defense coordinator, Dan Quinn. He still looks like a prime candidate for the eighth and final vacancy in the NFL. We'll talk about plenty of National Football League, plenty of Super Bowl it's also All-Star Week in the uh, East West Shrine Bowl and the Senior Bowl. We'll get uh, some thoughts on that. Steve Sarkeesian into the Shrine Bowl Hall of Fame yesterday. We'll get uh, some thoughts there as well. Plenty of hoops also. Got uh, all kinds of good stuff to get to on this. Uh, the 1st of February in our five-hour morning-by-morning conversation on Hook'em Up with Ian Rod B begins right now. We appreciate you being there wherever you find us. Could be on 101.9 FM, also AM 1260, always live and loud. Uh, but, man, the easiest way to find us these days is on our Horn app. Download that to your smartphone, and you've got us with a touch of a button wherever you are in the 512, all over the great state, all over the world, on the Horn app and always at hornfm.com. Tell a friend. Share that app as well. You know, you can just touch a little button there and send Send it off to some friends of yours, and they can have the Horn app as well if they don't know about it uh, to make it easy to find us, and we appreciate you doing that as we get you up and out on this 1st of February. And look who it is. He's made his way into the South Austin Onion Creek compound. He is uh, out of the five, uh, 713 DB High down in Houston, Texas, and then on to the uh, DBU right here in the 512. Four years in the National Football League. He is a lifetime Longhorn, a football theorist, Blackstradamus, and the uh, proud papa of Baby Monroe. Good morning, Rod Babers. Uh, good morning, E. I appreciate the intro and the Hospitality is always, and uh, yeah, the coaching carousel in the NFL starting to slow down to a, we're almost done. We're almost done with this thing, and uh, yeah, we'll get into the um, hot name for that Washington commander's job because uh, they'll have a domino effect. It certainly will. Home. It certainly will. That's what it's looking uh, like. That's also, looking yesterday like. we had a surprise move where a, a current college head coach in the power. Not a surprise to me. 
Not a surprise, but I, just surprise. I, I think I've talked about the NFL becoming more attractive to these college coaches yeah. because of the chaos yeah. happening here. Uh, okay, a level. coach with a head coaching job in college said, you know what, I'm going to go be a defensive coordinator hey. uh, in the NFL because it's all about mm-hmm. ball. It's all about coaching. Yeah. Uh, details on that so coming up. A lot, of, lot going on at the college level right now that mm, needs fixed. You might, you might want to wait to sort itself out, and then you can go back to college if you want to. <laughs> yeah. Right now the NFL just seems like a much better job. Uh, before we get started, though, because I know we got a lot to get into. Please do. Uh, let's give a shout-out to those who we do it each and every morning. We are proud and happy to do it. Uh, it is actually the highlight of our day because we don't say it enough to say thank you to those who serve. It is God's work. We appreciate that. We know that it is an honor but also a burden. Our society built on the selflessness of service. So you first responders, teachers, nurses, uh, the officers of the law. Uh, can't name all the professions. Can't name all the people. Just want to let you know that we appreciate you. I know it is uh, thankless a lot of the time, uh, but don't, uh, don't let that get you down. Continue to do the work because we appreciate you. No doubt about that. That as you're up and out, I just saw where there's a uh, an apartment fire there on William on, Cannon now. down near First Street. On, so our first responders are dealing with that three alarm. Exactly. So if you're headed out this morning, you live in South Austin, uh, down there by uh, uh, the Pleasant, one of the little elementary schools there, uh, be advised. Uh, William Cannon South First is a three alarm apartment fire that folks are dealing with. So uh, don't mess with that. But thanks to our first responders who are out there dealing with that and helping folks. Uh, as they can, as they always do. Thank you so very much. Hey, let's start with the headlines, top stories, get you caught up on the news of your Thursday morning. Starts with college football, and uh, of course, top stories always brought to you by Top Gun Reynolds and Lawn Equipment. It is postseason All Star Game Week. Both the East West Shrine Bowl and the Reese's Senior Bowl taking place after a week of workouts. The East West Shrine Bowl game is tonight at the Star Complex in Frisco, Texas. It includes three former Longhorns: running back Jonathan Brooks, who is injured, not playing, but is out in on the roster and in attendance there in Frisco. Tight end Jatavion Sanders and defensive back Ryan Watts are set to play for the West squad tonight. Yesterday in Frisco, Texas head coach Steve Sarkeesian was inducted into the East West Shrine Bowl Hall of Fame alongside former Utah wide receiver Steve Smith, the former BYU quarterback Sarkeesian, played in the 72nd East West Shrine Bowl back in 1997. Uh, it's also Senior Bowl week in Mobile, Alabama. Top draft, uh, draft prospects from around the country competing and showcasing their talent. They also connect with coaches and decision makers from all 32 NFL teams. Eight now former Longhorns were originally invited to participate. Actually, I should say six, but uh, uh, only two are participating this week because of health. And then a pair of players returned to school. Jade Barron and uh, Alfred Collins elected to come back to Texas. Only offensive lineman Christian Jones and defensive lineman Tavondre Sweat are participating this week. Jones measured in at 6'5", 318 pounds. has been impressive. Wingspan of nearly 84 inches. He's been working at guard and tackle. Been very impressive so far this week. Sweat, meanwhile, elected not to participate in the weigh-in in Mobile. He'll save that for the scouting combine next month. But on the field this week, the 2023 Outland Trophy winner has been his usual dominant self, flashing a rare combination of size, quickness, and power. Senior Bowl game is this Saturday at 11 a.m. from Mobile. Both All-Star games will be broadcast on the NFL Network. NFL coaching news now official. The Seattle Seahawks are going from having the oldest, oldest head coach in the NFL to the youngest. Having parted ways with Pete Carroll earlier this month, the Seahawks yesterday hired Baltimore Ravens defensive coordinator Mike McDonald to be their new head coach. 36-year-old inks a new six-year deal. This past season, his Ravens became the first defensive unit ever to lead the NFL in points allowed, sacks, and takeaways in the same campaign. His hiring leaves just one head coaching vacancy open. That's in Washington, where current Dallas Cowboys defense coordinator Dan Quinn completed his second interview with the commanders. He is seen as a strong candidate to get that job. Bit of a surprise hire in Green Bay yesterday, where the Packers have named Boston College head football coach Jeff Hapley to be their new defensive coordinator. 44-year-old has spent the last four seasons at the helm of Boston College, posted a 7-6 and six record this past season. NBA. 
All three uh, Texas teams in action last night. All three, once again, took losses. Dallas got drilled in Minnesota, 121-87. Played that game without Luka Doncic or Kyrie Irving. Houston lost at home to New Orleans, 110-99. Spurs lost at home to Orlando, 108-98. Big college hoops game tonight. Texas uh, women, 12th-ranked team in the land. They'll travel to Waco for a Big 12 showdown with 13th-ranked Baylor. That game will tip at 7.30 and will be broadcast nationally on ESPN. Horror headlines brought to you by Top Gun Rentals and Lawn Equipment. A new year and a new store. Come see our new beauty location at 200 Trademark Drive to rent, buy, or repair any construction and lawn equipment you need. TopGun.net. We'll shoot you straight. All right, there's been a lot of buzz that that the Washington Commanders, first of all, they, that they – that they did the, the coaching search did not go the way they planned. <laughs> Let's just say that. And um, I don't think it was the way any of us planned, actually, because who thought that Mike Vrabel and Bill Belichick would be out when the uh, the music stopped with the musical uh, chairs of uh, of coaching changes here in the NFL? Uh, but the Dan Quinn report that Dan Quinn is one of the front runners, if not the top name for that Washington job. Remember, I told you Dan Quinn he can't afford to be turning down jobs anymore. Uh, next coaching carousel. If he turned down the, uh, a job now, I, I would it be I would predict that he wouldn't get many, if not any, coaching offers, coaching head coaching job offers in the next coaching carousel. He, I mean, I think he was trying to wait on the perfect spot, and I don't know if it ever worked out the way he thought. I think Seattle was the perfect spot, and then they went with Mike McDonald, which makes perfect sense. As I told you, you got to go against the Shanahan offense twice a year. And, hell, the truth is, because of the Mike Shanahan franchises around the league, you're probably going to be going against it in the playoffs somewhere around the line, too. You pick a guy who's got some concrete success recently, figuring out how to neutralize, how to defend those Shanahan offenses that you got to face, that they'll be on your schedule at least four times that you know. And probably, hell, it might be half the schedule when you look at how it's, uh, that offense is arising around the league. So I, I know why they went with Mike McDonald and – I don't know if, if Dan Quinn's going to be able to afford to pass up the Washington job if it's offered to him. Yeah, he can't pass it up this time. And the word out of Dallas is he'll take it if it's offered. Yeah, he's got to. Um, because he turned down some jobs. You know, Arizona was interested uh, a couple years was ago. Denver? Wasn't Denver? Denver, and it was kind of a, you know, ownership change was coming. And, yeah. He, okay. um, you know, it might have been Denver. But, yeah, he's, he's turned some – because he wanted – you know, kind of like we just saw Ben Johnson do – with the Detroit Lions, uh, there's unfi- you know, Dan Quinn literally had unfinished business, right? He had Micah Parsons. He was building this defense. I think everybody felt like there was optimism that uh, something special could happen there, kind of a new legion of boom for him. Yep. And um, well, we've seen where that has gone. It's uh, not gotten out of the division round of the playoffs three straight years, and now it's time to strike. And uh, according to Jonathan Jones, the lead NFL insider at CBS, he says uh, the three finalists are Aaron Glenn, Dan Quinn, and Anthony Weaver. For that Washington Commanders job. He's got to be the leader in the clubhouse. You would think, think. right? <laughs> because of those. I mean, Aaron Glenn, of course, the former Texas A&M defensive back, uh, defense Detroit coordinator in Lions. Denver. In Detroit right now, Anthony Good Weaver. Job. Dan Quinn's been a head coach, taking a team to a, to a Super Bowl. Lost that game, obviously, but uh, got a team there and, and uh, comes with more skins on the wall than neither of those two. And if you're a so. new owner, you probably go with the more experienced coach in Dan Quinn. Yep. And then you look for your – obviously, they, they wanted Ben Johnson. I, yeah, I think they yeah but, they wanted the, the, the uh, <laughs> they thought that was a done deal too. I think remember you had the report from Boomer Sasson. Yeah, Boomer said it was a lock. It was a lock because I think from the Washington side it was oh we gonna offer him we gonna give him that and we'll we'll meet his demands. Yeah, and for a young coach you thought oh any young coach will take that. Well, and it, it, you know I I do think to your point I think Dan Quinn the Cowboys DC wanted the Seattle job but they 
they wanted Mike McDonald in their reports yesterday. They were willing to wait, even if Baltimore had made the Super Bowl, they were going to wait till after the Super Bowl to hire guy. Mike McConnell. He yeah. was their guy uh, well, for the reason. Dan Quinn wasn't going nowhere. Yeah. That's, that's not, I mean, Dan Quinn wasn't going to sign a contract or anything like no, that. No. him in that time. Yeah. And so Dan Quinn probably eyed the Seattle job, but will take the Washington job if offered. The question becomes, will it be offered? Yeah. And if he is hired in Washington, now he'll be in the division with the Cowboys, which you got Kellen Moore in Philadelphia who knows more about you and your quarterback than anybody. Um, you know, as far as intel and how to attack Dak Prescott. And, of course, he'll be calling the offense, but he still can provide that to the, yeah. for, to the franchise. And then Dan Quinn would land in Washington in your same division, which would be intriguing for, for the he, Cowboys. He'd know more about your defense. Yes, he would. Than anybody else because he constructed the defense. Yeah, that would be problematic. Yeah, it would be problematic. No. And then the question would become who Dan Quinn would bring with him or, or, or hire to be the offensive coordinator. Because, remember, Washington has the second pick in the draft, so they're going to take a quarterback. Yep. And, uh, you know, whoever, whoever they decide after Caleb Williams. So you've got to hire somebody to, to cultivate that. Because and, and, you know, I'm sure there'll be some in Washington not, not thrilled with Dan Quinn or any of these coaches because, you know, they just, they just let go of a defensive coach in Ron Rivera yep. um, right. to, you know, hire another defensive coach. But I think Dan Quinn is seen as an innovator, seen as a real leader of, uh, and motivator of men. Uh, which is something, you know, galvanizing of a locker room, those kind of things. But same time, we just saw Dan Quinn's defense give up, you know, 48 points in a playoff game. So some, yeah. I just read some of the the uh, the online <laughs> accounts. The Washington fans aren't real thrilled if it's going to be Dan Quinn. But yeah, you know. also we talked about how it's, it could be a disadvantage for the Cowboys. It could also be an advantage for the Cowboys. They know more about Dan Quinn's defense. Yeah, yeah you can't. All right, than anybody. Got to deal with it. And Mike McCarthy knows that defense. He knows where that the holes are. He knows where uh, kind of the uh, the the soft spots and the vulnerabilities within that defense are. So he'd be able to attack it. So. It, it, it could be interesting, but I will say this about uh, Dan Quinn, and I said about all defensive coordinators who get the head coaching job. Man, my first question is, who's the OC? Who's, who's the OC? OC? Who's your OC, man? I need to know. I, honestly, that's my question before you get the job. Like, man, who's your OC? Who? Give me your list because you may not even get your first guy. Give me, give me the list of your top five so we can go through it right now and why they're your top five. And I want commonalities within those top five too so that I can see your vision for the team. So I can, you know what I mean? I can see your vision of complimentary sure. football. I don't want you just picking names off and listening. Well, that doesn't serve me you have a vision for the team. You have a vision. That's why, that, that's why the, the Mike Shanahan thing makes sense. Those defensive coordinators are like, no, no, I'll take the Shanahan offense. I know exactly how it's going to work. I know exactly how we're going to build and construct the team. I would like to know exactly the defensive coordinator's vision for the offense, especially with the coordinator position. What would uh, the name Eric Bieniemy do for you if Dan Quinn retained the offensive coordinator who was there last year? I kind of, I kind of like that. You do like that name? I know, it's, yeah. sim it's simple, but it's, it's right. I think it might be right. Well, we'll see. Yeah, uh, I, I, I like that. That's not bad. That's not bad. Uh, so Eric Bieniemy, of course, that name still available, and was the OC in mm -hmm. Washington last year. Sam Howell was their quarterback, and they were better offensively uh, year by year with Eric Bieniemy there. But we'll see how this plays out because only one vacancy remaining with the Seahawks naming Mike McDonald as their new. Head coach. That's not bad. I like that. You like that? Yeah. Mm -hmm. And uh, which quarterback do you like? If, if Caleb Williams indeed goes to the Bears with pick one in the draft April 25th, first pick off the board Thursday yeah. night, who is pick two? Honestly, right now I'd go Jaden Daniels, but I know it could be Drake May. I, I don't dislike Drake May at all. Um, but we'll see. I mean, I Back-to-back yeah. -back North Carolina quarterbacks, Sam Howell and Drake May. That would be wild. <laughs> there you are. But, I mean, like I said, Drake May is a high-level quarterback. I know there was some regression this past season, but he did lose a lot of weapons to the NFL. I remember, they, I think two of their receivers got drafted 
Um, and they had an offensive coordinator change. He's had two offensive coordinators in the last three years. So that's a little – for a young player, sometimes that adjustment can be a little bit much. But I, I like Drake May's skill set. Right now I think I got to go Jaden Daniels. In the modern NFL where the game is going, I think I'd go Jaden Daniels. I think he offers more solutions. The Heisman Trophy problems. winner, of course, LSU. Yeah. Um, I saw when we talked yesterday in the end of the show that uh, Mel Kuyper uh, put out his top ten wide receivers for the draft mm-hmm. coming up. And in it, you have two Longhorns in his top ten and two LSU Tigers. Um, Malik Neighbors and uh, his, his running mate there yeah. are both in the top five as far as wide receivers. You've got Marvin Harrison Jr., number one, and then Rome Madunze from uh, Washington, number two. Then it's back-to-back LSU. Back-to-back. So, you know, you're going to – and, and, and uh, Ty and I talked about this at the end of the show yesterday. Think about that. If, if those two guys go off the board early from LSU, which they will – and uh, Jalen Daniels is the pick from Washington. Wow. Very yes, similar to Joe Burrow, right? Joe Burrow uh, was the Heisman Trophy winner, gets drafted one by Cincinnati, yeah. and his two-star receivers, Justin Jefferson and Jamar Chase, both go in the first round. Yeah. Could happen again. It could happen again, except very different results on the field. Yeah, they won a national championship that year. <laughs> Brian Kelly very couldn't stop anybody on defense. Yeah, they, well, then what did he do? Fired a whole damn defense instead. Like, yeah, y'all gotta yes, go. he did. Yes, y'all he did. Go. Sorry, guys. Uh, we got to find a new defense. Obviously, I fixed the offense. Offense is fine. How the hell did LSU? That's how you know. That is a culture flip right there. LSU has always been known for great defense <laughs> and stout defense. And now Brian Kelly gets there. The offense is elite. Uh, but they can't find a way to fix the defense, which I, I think they will. Brian Kelly is a damn good coach. He'll figure it out. Yeah, Malik Neighbors and uh, Brian Thomas Jr. Uh, at three and four on the list. Uh, Keon Coleman of Florida State is five. And then Xavier Worthy and A.D. Mitchell, six and seven on Mel Kuyper's uh, top yeah. ten wide receivers oh, for the yeah. NFL and draft. I believe he's got seven of them in his lat- one latest mock draft. He had seven of them going in the first round. Yeah, well, yeah. He, he said there'll, there'll probably be as many as 15 going in the first two rounds. But, like I said, I've been saying it for five years. Deepest position in football at any level is wide receiver. Like you, and they'll always say it's the deepest position in draft because it is. It actually is. But it's just the deepest position in football. they got so many really good wide receivers out there. Tons of them. Yeah. That's why in transfer portal you find so many good ones. Look at Texas. How many, te- how many transfer portal wide receivers starting gotten last two years? Like four of them? Remember, if you, if you <laughs> consider Isaiah, excuse me. Oh, you, yeah, I forgot about Nayor. Isaiah Nayor, but I if you consider uh, Xavier Worthy a transfer, because remember, he is com- was oh, committed. Te- yeah, they, Technically, so I, I he had to decommit to from his uh, original yeah. uh, LOI and then could but, come to Texas. But even the actual transfer, you just right. So that's, what, five? Yeah, four or five. Four or five in his last two years? Yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. yeah man, there, there are tons of them out there. There are tons yeah, of really good receivers. You can find receivers. speed in uh, receivers. Yep. A, little, a little harder to find some other positions out exactly. there. Defensive tackle. Where's the beef? Where yeah. is the beef? That's tough to find. But uh, for the Cowboys, the replacement now of Dan Quinn is something you've got to be thinking about. That's got to be top of mind. Um, and I believe the report from, I believe it was Ian Rappaport, and I saw it at um, Dallas Morning News that Ron Rivera was one of the top candidates. Staying now, in, <laughs> to trade to take Dan Quinn for Ron Rivera? I, I, guess, did you would, I guess you would have a lot of knowledge of, of <laughs> the, each other. the Washington personnel. <laughs> and, yeah, that guy's – but I – I, yeah, he doesn't. Yeah, I like Ron Rivera. He was my he was one of my, he was one of my coaches when I played in the league, defensive coordinator uh, with the Bears when I was there. It's been a while. It's been a little while since he's been a defensive coordinator, and we know how quickly the game changes. So I'm not saying he's he can't figure it out. He would. Um, and the system is very different. And Dan Quinn had one of the most unique systems in the league, playing more three safeties than anybody else. We know how much he loved the sub packages <laughs> with the dime defense. They played a lot of dime defense. So it's just a, it was a very, you know, it was built and constructed very differently. And I wonder if Ron Rivera, I'm, I'm sure he can, but how long will it take him to make the transition um, to his style of defense in terms of the roster construction? 
Yeah. Uh, well, and you know, whenever you think Jerry Jones, you have to think promotion from within. And there's some talk also that Al, Al Harris oh, uh, yeah. That's a good point. could be a guy who's on Dan Quinn's, uh, you know, staff right now as a and that maybe secondary for, coach. That might be better for the continuity. If you want to keep the construction the way it is, if he's going to run a, a system similar to Dan Quinn and knows the roster, maybe that is a better route to go than bringing in somebody new who's going to overhaul everything. And Ty has mentioned uh, the name Chris Richard, who was uh, in their secondary yeah. uh, coaching pretty recently, and he's now with the Raiders. So, yeah, those are the names. But, yeah, you better have a plan because if Dan Quinn does jump, because it's, you know, it's been a possibility, and I'm sure Jerry Jones has had conversations with Coach Quinn. They're, they're close, so he's not going to leave him, leave him in a lurch, I don't think. But at the same time, if Washington does offer him the jig, gig, he's going to take it. you got to take that. got to take that job. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> they don't, they, they'll stop coming. Yeah, I, I think next coaching carousel, they, 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 it'd be one if he got any co- head coaching. Because there'll be another up, upcoming rising star, like a Ben Johnson or about, oh, first of all, Ben Johnson. <laughs> he's, he's now uh, guaranteed himself to be in that next coaching carousel, so you got to deal with that. But there'll be another up-and-coming fast riser like Mike McDonald, somebody like that. So uh, in addition to Vrabel, Vrabel's going to be in the next coaching, coaching cycle too. Belichick is going to be in the next coaching cycle. Because I already know three names that are going to be top names in the next head coaching carousel. Uh, agreed. Agreed. Uh, 100%. Ben Sloak's going to be out there probably. Uh, uh, yeah. So, Bobby Sloak down in Houston yeah. and Ben so, Johnson. Bobby, so, sorry, Ben Sloak. Bobby Sloak, my bad. And that's where we talked that's yesterday. That's Bobby's brother, Ben. Well, and, and that's where we talked a lot yesterday. And my, my take on the uh, the Ben Johnson and Bobby Sloak staying where they are is next year you could have some really good jobs I'll come open with if Buffalo yes. besides Sean McDermott has had his chance and, and plenty of chances. And, um, you know, Jalen Hurts in, in Philadelphia, if Nick Sirianni doesn't get it done this year with all the changes, mm-hmm. uh, they won't uh, hesitate to make a move. The QB already in place. And obviously Andy Reid in, in Kansas City is not going to get let go, but there's talk that he uh, – he, uh, you know, could could step aside, but you know, we'll see. All that is in play and coaching carousel on top of uh, transfer portals, on top of conversations that led back to the uh, to the Jeff Halfley news. Uh, Boston College's head coach in college football saying, "You know what? I'm out of here. I'm going to go and uh, and coach some some pro football. I'm going to co- coach some defense on the NFL side." And the uh, Green Bay Packers, who made that nice surge at the end of the year, beat the Cowboys, almost yep. beat the, the Niners. Uh, who are playing in the Super Bowl now, seem like they're, they're on the rise. He's going to go coach that defense because he came from the NFL to go to, to the Boston College job, and now he's going back to the NFL yep. to be a defensive coordinator. Maybe had any ties, you know, any connections, um, he decided to maximize those. And he was a guy that kept up with those. Uh, several reports that I read said that he kept up with those uh, connections in the league. So maybe he was always a guy that was going to go back, but I think it was hastened <laughs> oh, sure. by – the current climate and what's going on in college. And listen, it, when Nick Saban uh, decides to retire, Nick Saban hinted at it that, hey, man, if I was a little younger, I could handle this job with the new demands. With my age, I can't – I'm not going to do it. Can't do it. Uh, Dion talked about it, hinted at it, that that's what's kind of chasing good coaches out. Remember Eli Drinkowitz, that uh, interview we played from 790 in Houston where he says they're chasing a lot of good coaches out of the game and also hinted at this is kind of the calendar. Uh, is what it is, and I got this from Matt Miller, NFL draft scout. We all like him. He said, talk to a college coach this week who told me life in the NFL is so much better than college now. We're all trying to get to the league. Remember, <laughs> I, told you, I, I told you guys that months ago. I, got, I, got, I, I know a lot of coaches, and they're all like, nah, man, the league is where it's at now. At least I get – I don't have to travel. I'm not on the road. It's more and more coaches starting to look at recruiting as a burden and actually just a straight-up second job. And, and it used to be cool until the transfer portal. 
<laughs> because now I can't keep the good players I recruit. Because <laughs> if, if you're at a mid-major in college, you're going to lose your good players. Yep. You're at mid-major and lower, you're going to lose your good players. Sorry, Texas, Ohio State, <laughs> the, 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 the big-time blue blood elite brands in college, they're going to take your, especially Texas states of the world, UTSA, they're going to take your good players when they become great players. So you can't keep them. So recruiting is even harder. And then you have the transfer portal. You have to also recruit the transfer portal. That's part of your job now. That's yep. another added. He's like, no, what about? No, no, that's part of your job now. So in addition to it, now you don't have a down period. There's no off time. There's no off season for college uh, coaches. In addition to having now those two jobs be even tougher than they used to be. And I mean, I, I, I think they are, they're not as tough at the highest level, right? Because Sark is hiring essentially a GM. He's got a director of player personnel. He's got uh, was Billy Glasscock over there. He's got guys, um, Brandon Harris. He's got essentially, he's building, slowly but surely, building a personnel department. Sure. And, when you have, and when you have that kind of money and resources, you can do that. When you say UCLA, they just hired a GM. Yeah, UCLA <laughs> hired and named and a general manager. Yeah, they're like, no, what's screw it. We're, we're tired of <laughs> we're, we're trying to be Chip, Chip Kelly's been in the NFL before. Like, yeah, we need a GM. We need a GM. We need a GM. We need a GM. We got That's NIL, your title. NIL. You know, so Sark is Sark is doing the same thing. But at those institutions, it's easier because you can do that. Think about if you're at a mid-major and you don't have the resources yeah, like to Jeff hire Halfley, a right? department. I mean, you're in the ACC, but yeah. you're at the bottom of the ACC. Oh, you're getting whipped. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> Pete Thamel, VSPN, uh, had this quote uh, talking about why Jeff Halfley left to go be a D.C. said he wants to go coach football again in a league that's about football. Uh, he said, uh, you know, college, college coaching has become uh, NIL fundraising, recruiting your own team and transfers. There's no time to coach football anymore. Told yeah. Uh, and we, you know, we just had the example here with Rod Wright. Yeah. Who, who coached with Houston Texans that uh, Longhorns, uh, I was told, made him their first choice at defensive line coach. And he, Wanted to stay in the NFL for the same, many of the same reasons. I get to, I get to sleep in my own bed most nights, guys. <laughs> you're a college coach. You're on the road. All the time. You're on the road flying around. I mean, you're a road warrior out there. It's just I, I, I know coaches in the league and I coaches in college and more and more coaches in college. So I said, telling tell you guys this, when they told me months ago, this job is just – it's not a great job anymore. You have, and you have to love it. You have to be one of those people that loves being on the road, that loves that lifestyle of constantly – um, having to communicate and keep up with young kids. And it's, like I said, it, it, it's fun if you love it, but if you don't, it's becoming more and more of a burden. Well, let's just say that, and we'll pick, pick this up throughout the morning, but we would all agree that the current situation and current climate is not sustainable uh, in college football. They have to put something in, in place. I think we all agree with that. Got a calendar um, at because least. of, you know, the portal and the you know, NIL which has been thrust upon them with, you know, court losses and state uh state legislatures and whatnot. Same time, you know, college football, college athletics, college the college industry and the NCAA have been painlessly painfully slow to implement John. any no question. Uh, no, knowing that you had to know this was coming, they had to know that at some point you're going to be at this point, and they've allowed it to get here, and here we are. So there has to be something in place. But at this point, you know the water's just rushing through, and you're trying to okay, how do we how do we stop this, or at least limit it a little bit? That's where we are with uh, college football, without a doubt, and the coaches are bearing quite a bit of the burden of that yes, they are. Uh, without a doubt. All right, good stuff. We will pick that up and talk about it with you throughout the morning. Also, Rod will take us behind the burnt orange curtain on this Thursday morning, day one of February. We'll look forward to what's coming in the second month of the year, uh, including uh, the sports calendar and maybe some other stuff. Uh, also, we'll get some uh, what the facts before the end of this first hour. It's our first hour of five. We're just getting warmed up on a Thursday morning. Hook them up with Ian Rodby. Aaron Hogan, Rod Babers, Hook em Up, 1019 AM 1260, The Horn.
Thursday on the Horn. Hook them up with Ian Rod B on this, the first day of February, and it's uh, the shortest month of the year, but this year it's the leap year, Rod, 29 days in the oh, month yeah. of February. So uh, Black History Month, we'll have an extra day. That's a good hey, thing. You know what? It needs it. Right? <laughs> it needs that extra day. is important. Yeah. For those unaware, and if you've forgotten your, days, uh, your schooling, leap year is uh, you got to have that extra day. The 366th day is added once every four years to keep the calendar synchronized with the astronomical year. I like that. Because they, they say the, uh, the calendar would drift away from the seasons if we didn't add this extra day once every four years. And so if you're a leap year child, you leap year baby, I'm assuming you just celebrate your birthday on the 28th or the 1st, depending. Yeah. But this year, you actually get to celebrate your birthday. Nice. Your actual birthday. I like that. So there you go. Good luck. And, you know uh, anybody who's ever born? No, I do not. Okay. Me neither. I don't think I do. I mean, I might not know it, but I don't know of one. Um, but we do know it, uh, it's got the extra day. It is Black History Month. It is Groundhog Day tomorrow. We get the whole Punxsutawney Phil thing. Coming tomorrow. Oh, yeah. Um, You're into that whole deal. Yeah, I know some people are into it. How accurate is that thing? I don't do know. Do we know how accurate it is about? I do love that movie. He sees a shadow. Oh, Groundhog Day. Classic. Classic film. Great movie. Might be something to watch yes. this week. Uh, the, the If you're a music fan, the Grammys are Sunday. That's I will be watching that more than I'll be watching the Pro Bowl flag football game. <laughs> That's without a doubt. That's this Sunday as well. Now, of course, the Super Bowl is the following Sunday. We'll all be watching that, Super Bowl 58 with the Niners and the Chiefs. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I'll have Tiger Woods this month hosting the Genesis Invitational in golf. Tiger, Tiger Woods, y'all, he'll be back. Daytona 500 is this month as well. Uh, a, a MLS season begins for Austin FC, so a lot to look forward to here in the month of February. It's amazing. Does it mean did January fly by? January. Uh, yeah. I don't know where it went. In a, in a blink. Yeah. That's, that's, that's I, a bad I, sign for 2024. I mean, 2024 is I mean, a blink. Because I know the first yeah. day of, of January, I was on Bourbon Street. <laughs> right. Yeah. That's a great point. Getting on, ready for the Longhorns. Yes. And the Sugar Bowl. I was on Bourbon that Street. That seems like that was forever ago. Yeah, yeah, it that does a little so. bit, but at the same time, it seems like it's flown by. I know, yeah, that's the. Uh, I know it was. It was like you said, it was just a month ago, but it feels like it was forever ago. It feels like we because so much has happened for Texas football in that since that time with the transfer portal. Oh my god, you know no. what I mean? Coaching changes. It feels like we've covered a lot of a lot of stuff in a lot of area in between them, but that was like that was just a month ago. Just a month ago. Yeah, just a month ago. That's a great point. Also, keep in mind that this Saturday is the uh, baseball alumni game, UT baseball. So David Pearson, his Longhorns, optimistic about a good year. Uh, they'll be out playing the alumni game. If you're looking for some hardball, that'll be this weekend as well. So we'll g- keep you posted throughout the morning of what's to come in the month of February, uh, 29 days this year. Like and that. if you know somebody who was born on the 29th, let us know. We nice. the leap years. The leap year. The, the leap, leap year, year babies. Yeah. That's right. Uh, we'll have some fun with that this, this month for sure. Uh, all right, Rod, let's go behind the burn orange curtain. A lot of Texas football. It's all-star game week, of course, with the Shrine game and the uh, uh, senior bowl going on. Let's go behind the BOC. And they were all asking themselves the same question. What is behind that curtain? All right, let's uh, talk about the guys uh, who are participating in the Senior Bowl. Uh, they, they're starting to air the practices, and you get a lot of the reports of practices. And I will say that Tavondre Sweat, a lot of the questions were about him not weighing in, and I told you guys about that. That's just the silly season of scouting. He'll have to answer that question at one point. He'll have to weigh in. He'll never have to weigh in ever again, well, publicly anyway, where <laughs> everybody will be acknowledging his weight. Uh, but I, I thought he looked really good in uh, the practices 
Uh, there are a couple of uh, clips where, you know, an offensive lineman may have gotten the best of him, but I think he had some of the best highlights out of the uh, senior bowl practice, essentially where he drove an uh, offensive lineman back, <laughs> uh, moving another human being against it, their will. Uh, he looked really good in the one-on-ones and the pass rush drills. I would he, say the, the, I, I, he embarrassed a couple of guys. He did. Uh, <laughs> yeah, he, put, I mean, he put guys on their butt. Like, yeah. really pancake guys from a defensive lineman perspective. Yes, I'm with, yeah. so he has, I'm with you. I think he increased his draft stock tremendously. And between him and Byron Murphy, I mean, he was the guy that was going to be drafted in the second round. I mean, I – I don't think he'll sneak into the first round just because I, I don't think there are that many defensive players that'll be drafted that high. But man, Tavondre Sweat's going. I think if if, if the Cowboys didn't take Mozzie Smith last year, I, I I think they would seriously look at him as a as just as a pure run stopper in the first round. That's a good point. Yeah, I don't disagree with that. And he's got good added value because I think he's a pretty good damn pass rusher too. I mean, he looked good in the one on ones, but you're right, as a run stuffer. He might be elite because that guy is a, he can stuff a he can stuff a hole, but he also can demand a double team. Like you, with that kind of weight and mass, I mean, you can't block him one on one. No, he's a rare rare beast, man, and in a good way. I mean, you talk about guys who are coverage specialists or pass rush specialists or you know running backs who have incredible vision. These things you can't coach. You can't coach six five three sixty and yeah. with feet like that. No, I can't coach that. No, that <laughs> like, can move the way that guy can move. Yeah, I, and that is that's a rare rare commodity. Uh, to have somebody that big and that strong and at the point of attack. So I think a lot of teams will be considerate, but it, you know, it's not seen as one of those premium positions because he doesn't uh, project as a great pass rusher. Same time, as, as Ty just said, you know, if you want to stop the run, that guy helps a lot. I'll say this, and this is why he's, he's, he's got a shot to make a lot of money, and he could rise up draft boards. And there are some savvy teams that are onto it. And, by the way, the Cowboys are onto it. They're one of those savvy teams. I think because Dan Quinn is very progressive and modern. And Dan Quinn's a football theorist. Studies the game, try to see where the game is going, and try to get out ahead of it, <laughs> right? Try to see what the, uh, the really uh, – I would say the really important trends are and patterns are that are determining the landscape of the league. And there are certain guys that figure out, that tap into it better than others, certain organizations that tap into it better than others. And what I'll say about – defensive tackle, and that's why I like the Cowboys draft pick of Mozzie Smith, and I got into this when they drafted him. It, I don't think we've seen that return on investment just yet um, because he hadn't really shown that he's worthy of that draft pick, but there's still time. Defensive tackle is becoming, on, on, on the low-key low level, one of the most important positions on defense. And it's not a premium position yet, but honestly, it is. If you look at the pay scale, guys, I went and looked at the top six, the top 16 highest-paid defensive players in the league last year based on annual salary, salary, eight of them are defensive tackles. Eight of them. are. I repeat, eight of them are defensive tackles. Aaron Donald, Quentin Williams, Jeffrey Simmons, Deron Payne, Dexter Lawrence, uh, Leonard Williams, uh, DeForest Buckner, Javon Hargrave. That, that's half. Of the corners, and other, otherwise there were corners and edge rushers, premium positions. But outside that, honestly, this, that position was – more, I think it was obviously. You look at it. I looked at the uh, top twelve in guaranteed money. Um, it was six of them, six D tackles. If you look at the top twelve highest paid defensive players, just in guaranteed money too, on defensive side of the ball, six of them are defensive tackles, along with edge rushers and corners. It, it, the, the smart GMs and the smart football people in the NFL understand what's happening, and what's happening is, and this is why Vic Fangio is so popular. Because he's one of these guys. They, the, the NFL now is really into playing with light boxes. They want to play with light. And what a light box is is when you have fewer defenders than there are blockers. 
and you play. And the, the reason you got a light box is I need to allocate those resources to the passing game. Essentially, what you're trying to do is you're trying to create one-on-one matchups in the run game, and you want to create two-on-ones in the passing game. You want to win the numbers advantage in the passing game rather than the run game. And you almost want to invite teams to run the football because the running game is – this is an analytical thing. So I know you'll be like, this is nerd, nerds. Um, the, 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 the running game is much less efficient than the passing game. The passing game is way more efficient analytically than the running game. And with these high-level quarterbacks and high-level receivers, it's becoming more and more efficient. Guys like Patrick Mahomes. You can't, Patrick Mahomes drops back every damn time. There's an 80% chance he's going to make the right decision. 85% chance he's going to make the right decision <laughs> and make the right play. All right? He's just high, high level. Running the football, it, it's a fewer explosive plays when teams are running the football, and you take the ball out of the hands of the most important player on the team, which is the quarterback, especially if he's really efficient. So that's where it works out where they're just trying to do I'd rather you run the football down the field. Yes, it may take you 12 13 plays to get down there and what else 12 13 plays you'll have a mistake you'll have a holding call something like that so it's all about limiting explosive plays and all about limiting efficiency and over the years and we'll get into some of these stats about this later on more and more teams have decided to play with two high safeties all right hell sometimes three high safeties instead of loading up the box right you give up the run so you can protect against the pass to do that though the tackles are key because they help you win the numbers advantage even when you have a lighter box. Because Devontae Sweat almost counts as one and a half men. That's <laughs> he's right. so damn big, so massive. He's one and a half. Hell, sometimes he's two men because he's that unstoppable. you got to devote two men to stop him. And that's how I flip the numbers advantage. I can win with a lighter box. That's why this year with Texas, they can still stop the run with light box. They had Byron Murphy and Devontae Sweat. And that's why these really savvy teams are starting to figure out, all right, I got to either draft one of these D tackles that will help me win the numbers advantage with a light box so I can play with two high safeties and protect against the pass, or I gotta, when I find one, I got to pay them big bucks because yeah. they're key to my, the structural integrity of my defensive system. Yeah, and they can account for an extra player essentially. Yes, it's numbers. Uh, and, you know, Jalen Carter out of Georgia was projected as the number one pick last year, and, of course, because the off-field stuff fell to nine to the Eagles, uh, it's still a premium position for the reasons you just said. Uh, it is interesting as you say that, and you're – 100% accurate, but at the same time, the, the final four teams in the NFL were, are all strong running teams. And the, I know the mm-hmm. Chiefs are built around Mahomes, but their late-season improvement came when they went to more heavy sets and started running the football with, oh, yeah. with Isaiah Pacheco. But the yeah. Ravens, and we criticized the Ravens for getting to the biggest game and not running the ball enough. But the Niners and Lions are both great running teams, yeah. uh, so they kind of throw the curveball at the rest of the league. But you're right. I mean, if you've got Patrick Mahomes, you're going to let him win the game for you more, more often than not. Uh, and the other part of playing two high safeties, right, is you, wanna give, you don't want to give up the big play. Yes, limiting explosive plays. Yeah, you do not want – you want to make teams go long drives, right, sustainable drives, and just assume that there'll be a tip ball somewhere, there'll be a penalty, get them against the chains, you get them off the field. And, you know, Mike McDonald just got the job in Seattle. His Ravens defense allowed the third fewest plays of 25 yards or more this season with only 28. And the only explosive play in the passing game they allowed to the, to the Chiefs was that last play of the game, essentially, the 25-yard pass to Marquez Valdez-Scanley. That was the only one they gave up because they were trying to sell out to stop the run and yeah. try to get the ball back. Right about that. Yeah, I mean, that's, that's the old Bill Walsh philosophy, right? Bill Walsh always believed that um, the most important stat in football was explosive plays and explosive play margin because it's, it's, the theory breaks down. I'm paraphrasing here. The theory breaks down that human error will always kick in if a team has to drive down the field uh, in a double-digit play drive. 
10 to 13, 14 plays. The, the longer the drive, the more chance the offense is going to make a mistake because there are 11 guys. Offense is about execution. 11 guys who got to be perfect with their hand placement, with their footwork, with their timing, precision. And at one point, somebody's going to screw up. Then they get behind the chains. Then, you know what I mean? And that's when the defense, the odds start to flip in their favor. Um, and that's why he always believed, hey, I get an explosive play. I don't have to have a double-digit play drive. It's a, it's a five to a six-play drive. And human error doesn't kick in as much and kick me in the rear end as much because it's only a five or six-play drive. Can you be perfect for five or six plays? Yes. Can you be perfect for 12? Uh, probably not. Probably going to screw up somewhere in those 12 plays, miss a block, uh, timing be off. Wide receiver slip. Oh, the defense defender makes a really good play. That's just more chance for human error and for the defense to make a great play. So you want to limit that by just getting a chunk yardage play. Yeah. Boom. 100%. Yeah. Uh, well, if you go back to the NFC Championship game, that's when the Niners got a hold of the, the Lions. They stopped giving up big plays. Start getting, mm-hmm. stop getting gouged. Yeah, <laughs> right? exactly. <laughs> make a martial length of the field. Make them do it the hard and way. And that's what led to the big fourth down decisions Dan Quinn had to make. And had a drop pass. Exactly. Human error. <laughs> Human error. <laughs> Human uh, error. And next thing you know, you get off the field. Uh, but in the first half, when they were getting rolled, it was, you know, long yep. runs, long passes. Oh, man. They started out the game that way. Getting gouged. All right, good stuff. There's Rod behind the burn orange curtain. Tavondre Sweat uh, balling out at the Senior Bowl. That game is 11 o'clock Saturday morning. Uh, practice has been all week. You can watch that on the NFL Network. Also, uh, Christian Jones doing nice work there. 84-inch wingspan for big uh, – Christian Jones at almost 320 pounds. And also a couple of players will be playing tonight in that Shrine East-West Shrine Bowl. That'll be Ryan Watts and Jatavion Sanders playing in that game up in Frisco, up there at the Star Complex, the Cowboys training facility. All right, we'll come back. Let's some what the facts on this uh, February 1st. Lots to do there. We'll hear from Steve Sarkeesian coming up. Um, he was inducted into that Shrine Bowl Hall of Fame yesterday, and he was asked about uh, two of his mentors, Pete Carroll, Nick Saban. Uh, both one step and aside, one let go. Uh, yep. His thoughts on uh, what they have meant to his coaching career. We'll get to some of that with Sark. Uh, he was up there yesterday being honored, which was pretty cool. We'll get to all of it with you as we roll forward on a Thursday. Hook him up with Ian Rodby. Aaron Hogan, Rod Babers, Hook him up. 1019 AM 1260, The Horn. Hook them up, rolls on. It's a Thursday. It is uh, going to be another 70-degree day in Austin, Texas. Clouds will probably dominate today, but uh, we'll take that. Uh, temperatures a little warmer than normal after what uh, we dealt with last week and the week before with some freezing temperatures. Hey, Rod, it's now a fact that the, uh, the Chiefs game with the Ravens on Saturday was the most watched AFC championship game ever. Most watched AFC Championship game ever, 55.47 million, peaked out over 60 million for that game on Saturday afternoon. Not surprised. Not surprised. Not surprised. But that is now official in from the numbers. So uh, uh, we can expect a, uh, a gangbusters Super Bowl. What do you think the ratings will be for the Pro Bowl? <laughs> that would be terrible. They'll still be better than some like regular season NBA games. Oh, yeah, they will. <laughs> better than that. But, I mean, the Pro Bowl now is like, what, they play games, they play dodgeball, they play a lot of – Kind of kids' games, which is smart. That's my candy cigarette theory. They, they want to play kids' games. I think kids may watch. I think now their, their target demo is different than it used to be. They used to have a – I think now their the target demo is they're trying to get young kids to watch it. They know old school football fans are done with the Pro Bowl. We know – we boycotted it long ago <laughs> when they were actually still putting on pads for the Pro Bowl. We stopped watching it. They know that. And now it is for more the, the novice fan. It's not for actually hardcore football fans. They know that. They're not stupid. 
<laughs> they get the stats back. They get all the analytics. That's right. They know the facts. Yeah, they, they know, know the, the facts. facts. There you go. <laughs> uh, speaking of facts, how about this one for uh, Steve Spagnola? Um, he now has reached his fifth Super Bowl as a defensive coordinator. Dang. Uh, he ties Hall of Fame coach Dick LeBeau, who uh, famously had the Pittsburgh Steelers back in the day, as the most by D.C. all time. We're not giving Spags enough credit for his defensive coordinator. How about this little stat? The, 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 four, sorry, the Chiefs have allowed the fewest yards to wide receiver ones, like top wide receivers, in the regular season. Only 43 yards, uh, 44 if you round up, 44 yards per game to the top wide receiver. You talk about how much you like that secondary of the Chiefs and how sticky the, they are in coverage. That's another stat that shows you how sticky they are. If you're a wide receiver one, you get nothing. Nathan against the Kansas City Chiefs. It's crazy. I mean, they've, and they've been that way all year long. They're just really, really good. And it's a credit to Brett Veach, their general manager, too, with the drafting they've done uh, and hitting on the Trent McDuffies and the Legereus Sneeds and those mm-hmm. guys. And that's obviously kind of like we talked about Dan Quinn. He wants to have certain types of personnel. And Brett Veach has worked with Steve Spagnuolo. Okay, how do we build this defense? And to your point of defensive tackles, it all starts with Chris Jones up front because he is such a game wrecker uh, on the defensive front that you can play some lighter boxes, but those guys can really cover in a passing league. When you can cover, it gives you a big advantage. And the numbers, I mean, they set a record for most games this year held holding their opponents under 20 points. Yeah. I mean, it's they've been outstanding this well, year. Well, they see they don't they they play a lot of exotics because they can cover. That's right. Because they can cover. They they don't need to play with a lot too. I say the problem with with a lot of teams is they can't cover. <laughs> so they actually need two high safeties to guard against the big play because they're not sticky in coverage. The Kansas City Chiefs one of those teams, they blitz a lot, sixth most in the league, and a lot of blitzing, you got to play man coverage behind it. They're fine with that because they're like, "No, we got good DBs." Our DBs will be sticky. They'll make plays on the football. So, yeah, they built it really well. They built it really well. And that'll be the matchup with uh, Debo Samuel and Brandon Ayuk and that uh, passing offense. Yeah. Uh, but they also got to deal with Christian McCaffrey and the 49ers. Uh, Iowa star Caitlin Clark last night, Rod, it's a fact now. She's the uh, officially became the Big Ten women's all-time scoring leader against yeah. Northwestern. Uh, she is a, a must-see television situation these days. I don't know if you saw this, but, uh, it, you know, there's not a lot to do in Iowa in late January. Mm, but really. Uh, line around the corner last night to, to see that home game, to see her break that record. Uh, pretty impressive uh, women's basketball and its popularity as it grows. Uh, and the tickets for that game were going at a crazy rate uh, to get in to see Caitlin Clark last night. I can believe it. Which is pretty cool. So uh, props to her. Congratulations. She's now the uh, Big Ten's all-time leading scorer. Big game tonight for the Texas women. Um, Vic Schaefer and company playing at Baylor tonight. That game is a nationally televised 730 tip on ESPN, Texas and Baylor in women's basketball. Time. Um, do we know how much uh, she makes, Kaylin Clark, in NIL? I don't. Man, I bet she makes a ton. I bet it. I bet she. I in bet. Iowa? What is she selling tractors? Well, it's just because they're. <laughs> I'm just they're, kidding. I mean, but she's in that in that in that state though. She's really oh, recognizable she's and she's well known. It's really kind of in your area. How well known are you? And to the local businesses who are willing to invest in you, right? I mean, if you're big time, you can get a national NIL deal. But most of the NIL deals are local, regional. Sure. Right? And I bet she gets a ton. Well, think about it. The, the last night at their arena, um, cheapest seats were nearly three hundred dollars. I mean, literally, literally not hour. lines around the corner. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. Like to she, see her play, and it's her. Yeah, she's, like she's an impact player. <laughs> yeah. uh, and she impacts. So yes, if you're a car dealer or you're yeah, uh, there you go. Real, real to whatever you want to be. I mean, doesn't uh, matter. Hundred percent. Yeah, exactly. If you want access to her, I mean, I, 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 I bet she makes a ton. I'm sure there are numbers with it, but we can go look at that later. She moves. That's what's what you know, you're moves. looking for people to move the needle, right? That's what um, she does. The, in that state, in, yeah. For that program, she moves the needle. She fills seats. 
I agree with you. She puts butts in seats. There's no doubt about it. You can see the uh, <laughs> you can see the result of it. All right, um, another uh, factoid. I'm actually doing a lot of Super Bowl research. I know next week we'll get into breaking down the Super Bowl and we'll get to it. But the, the Chiefs defense, more and more, I guess I've been looking at how good it, it's been. How about this little factoid? Um, the Chiefs have, the 2023 Chiefs have the most games allowing fewer than 28 points in NFL history. The 2000 Ravens had 19. The Chiefs have 20. Yeah, 2002 Bucks had 19. 05 so, Steelers. Okay, so they, they, we just—they're the really—they're the elite defense. We just have underrated them all season long. I don't know why. Text line is open four four seven three seven seven six. With those stats combined with Patrick Mahomes, we sit here on this Thursday morning, and the Chiefs are still a two-point underdog. <laughs> what the hell's happening? Easy. What am I missing? Uh, it's easy money. You're right. I don't. I don't get it either. You're right. I don't know. The hey. Chiefs are. You have Patrick Mahomes, that defense, and the Chiefs are getting two points. Yeah. Getting two points. I thought that line would have moved a little bit more. It has not. It's going the other way. It's going the other way. Oh. I don't know. I, yeah, you might. I might need to place a little <laughs> friendly one on that one. Hey, you know what? But I hope my man Shano does win. That's what I'm hoping. That's I know. We're, I'm in for the Shano horns. I'm hoping. But, but man, that's a tough. That's a, that defense. The guy's an underdog. Three and zero in the playoffs as an underdog in his career. I think he's nine and three as an underdog. Period. Straight up. You you really smart. What you are. We love our audience and how smart you are. Tell us why the uh, Chiefs are the underdog and the Niners are favored. What's the reason for that? Hook him up with Ian Rodby. Hour two coming.